0: Welcome to the Transform Podcast. My name is Andrew Farhat. I am the lead pastor of St. John's Church and School in Denver, Colorado, right across the street from Wash Park. And in this podcast, what we do is we consider what it looks like to follow Jesus. We consider what it looks like uh, to be committed to a Christ-centered worldview and operate with that as our lifestyle. This podcast is for you if you are seeking what that might look like or if you have already committed your life to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Transform Podcast. My name is Andrew Farhad. I'm so excited that you are listening uh, to our podcast and our mission with this podcast is to, we want to spread renewed hope and life through Jesus Christ. We love Jesus and we want people to know about the person and work of Jesus so that they can see, man, that he is awesome. Isn't he awesome, Daisy? Yes. Daisy is my guest today. Uh, I think views are higher when you are here Um, So I'm grateful that you're here today. So, you uh, you know, I'm giving a little props to my wife. Thank you uh, for being here. And then also, if you you like what you're listening to today, I want to encourage you to subscribe and also to share it with somebody you think could be blessed by this podcast. Today's question is, what is original sin? So here we go. We're going to get a little bit. Uh, doctrinal, theological. Uh, We believe that theology is very practical. And hopefully as we go through this topic, we're going to see why this is important. I think all of us have heard of original sin, Um, whether you're a believer or not believer or spiritual or secular, like it's been something, it's a phrase that's been out there, I think for a long time. Um, And so this is an opportunity for us to unpack it. And what does it mean for our lives? Why is it important to believe in? Um, And so Daisy's going to facilitate today.
1: (laughs) So let's just start off. What is original sin? What does that mean?
0: Psalm 51 verse 5 says this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So, this is from King David, who wrote this psalm way back when. This is actually a psalm of repentance in the scriptures. And he is reflecting on his depravity, he's reflecting on his bondage and uh, his utter need for the sheer grace of God in this passage. Also, the doctrine of original sin in the New Testament uh, is famous in Romans 5, verses 12 and 18. Paul writes, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, And then in verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So what Adam is saying in this passage of scripture is that through Adam's trespass as our first father, um, sin spread to all humankind. So just as a virus starts on one part of the hard drive and then spreads throughout, uh, this is how the doctrine of sin works. And maybe as we listen to this, we're like, okay, now I get it. Now I get why the world is the way the world is. Now I get why my children won't do anything I tell them to. <laughs> there, there there's, a, there's a corruption of our nature that is there, where things are not quite in harmony with our creator. Uh, They are not quite what uh, God originally intended in the beginning. Um, And so I think probably our first reaction to this is, man, this sucks. (laughs) Um, And yeah, because what this means is we come into the world um, and we do have a sinful nature. And I guess what I would say to this, Daisy, is that we are Western individual, individualists, a lot of our hearers, not all, but some. And we think, man, your choices should just impact you. Other people's choices are their choices. Mm -hmm. So why does Adam's sin start me off on the wrong foot with God? And I guess I'd say, I understand like where your brain's going. However, that's simply not the way the world works. It's simply not the way it is. So our actions impact those around us. Uh, many of us know the story of the big company Enron and how there were two executives at the top who embarked upon some endeavors where they were found guilty you know, of some things and they were found guilty of some corruption. Now hundreds of employees lost their jobs because of the corruption of those at the top. Now you could say, well, why did they lose their jobs? Like they didn't do anything wrong. Well, the, the, the sin of the people at the top impacted the people that they have relationships with. So the doctrine of original sin, I think makes us think twice before we make a choice. Before you make that decision, before you do what you think you need to do, think about how is this going to impact those around me? Mm -hmm. What difference is that going to make to my family, my community, the people that I care about? Um, There's so many examples I can give. An abusive father, an unfaithful pastor, a sports figure that everyone looked up to that had millions of followers. And then finally, I like to use this example because I think it's very relevant still, is I remember in the 1990s. You remember when Rodney King was caught on camera? Well, I, I shouldn't say it that way. When the beating of Rodney King was caught on camera, and that oh, yeah. was ki- that was kind of a new thing back then, wasn't it, Daisy?
1: Yeah, that was a really big moment in like childhood sport or not sports. Sorry, childhood um, news history.
0: Right, because we didn't have cell phones yet. No. We didn't have all that yet, so it wasn't as common for everyone to just record stuff. So right. somebody pulled out one of those camcorders at the time, <laughs> um, and it was captured. And it, I think it was, the concern was there was an excessive beating taking place, and it was certainly excessive. And I think everyone looking at it would agree. Mm-hmm. Whether and it
1: seemed to be race-motivated, which also added to the fire.
0: Well, I think when you, when you uh, reflect upon the history of our country and so forth, I think the black community was upset because, man, even when it's caught on camera, he, he initially was let off, the police officer that did most of the beating. Mm-hmm. So that's what caused the frustration. And so now you might say, well, why do, does that police officer's sin of an excessive beating— that was caught on camera, why should that impact so many lives? (laughs) And my goodness, it impacted a lot of lives. It impacted uh, the city of Los Angeles in a significant way. Um, And so the point is this, how will what I do today impact those around me? You know, and, and that's what the doctrine of original sin is partly telling us Adam's he's our first father and man he he exercised poor leadership Mm -hmm. and it's impacted everyone till this day Mm -hmm. and so that would be my first answer Daisy to the question what is original sin
1: and ultimately it's an act every act of sin is not showing love to your neighbor your children your community so that's really what it comes down to in the end
0: Absolutely. I think we think of sin as isolated. Mm-hmm. Like it's my sin, it's my private life, it's you know, none of your business, right? But I think if we just kind of think about sin, definitely it does impact those around us. So if like if you are making uh idols out of things that you shouldn't, man, the people around you are gonna know what you're obsessed with pretty quick. Um if you're dishonoring those who are in authority. Ah man, that's gonna impact people around you. If there's sexual sin, you know that tends to be one that uh, causes a lot of damage to a community.
1: It's very, very rare, I would say, that a sin doesn't affect more than just yourself. I mean, it's possible, but it's rare.
0: Absolutely, hundred percent. And that's what Scripture's trying to help us with: is to get out of our individualistic mindset and bring us into a more biblical communal mindset. Mm -hmm. We are a community of human beings.
1: Yes, absolutely. So why does it matter that we believe in original sin?
0: So here's what I'd say. It's important that we believe in the doctrine of original sin because what we believe about this doctrine will also determine how more or less grace-centered our theology, our lifestyle, our preaching and teaching that we are drawn to will be. So for example, churches that are too optimistic about human power Mm. will preach very man-centered, law-driven sermons and messages. And there's a theology. So the the theology of, of sin, which maybe they don't believe in the doctrine of original sin, uh, they're, they're believing so much on human beings' power that it will lead to a whole sermon on how you're going to be prosperous in your life if you're obedient, or a whole sermon on basically how you can use your free, your willpower, your willpower to reach a point of perfect sanctification and perfect holiness in your life. Um, and, and also, this was first... Uh, denied, the doctrine of original sin was first denied by a pastor in the fifth century by the name of Pelagius. Mm -hmm. Pelagius did not believe we inherited sin from Adam. And so St. Augustine, the the famous North African pastor and writer who has influenced uh, John Calvin and Martin Luther, um, and they were all inspired by the Apostle Paul. Basically, St. Augustine taught the doctrine of sin, but then he's also famous to because he's called the doctor of grace. Mm. Um, and so conversely, churches that are pessimistic about human power, like St. Augustine and like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 verses 14 through 25, preach Christ-centered, grace-driven sermons and messages. And so if you're looking for a great book that really recovers the power of the gospel. I'd highly recommend Gospel by J.D. Greer. I think he does a fabulous job. He's a great communicator and writer. And in the book, he has this awesome metaphor that stuck with me. I think I read it about 11 years ago, and it still impacts the way I think and pray. He says, grace is not just the diving board, but it's the pool that you should be swimming in. Mm. So he invites you not to just say, did you receive grace when you came, became a Christian? But rather, how are you saturating your life with the grace of God today?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. So, you know, a big um, way that we live every day in our lives.
0: Yeah. So like, how, how would we saturate our lives with the grace of God in the light of the doctrine of original sin? Um, I think that there's a, uh, an invitation to pray grace over your life daily, mm-hmm. to remember the gospel, mm-hmm. but then also to remember God's faithfulness in your life. And, and then all of a sudden, man, now all, God becomes the subject of a, lot of a lot of the verbs in your life. Rather than you being the subject of a lot of the verbs, God is the subject. Now, this doesn't mean that there's no room for instruction and sanctification in the Christian life. Uh, There is a third use of the law in the Christian life, which means there there's an instructive use, like we need instructions so that we know how to live our lives. But yet it is driven by our new identity as believers in Jesus Christ. Mm
1: -hmm. And I would say this belief in this doctrine causes us to just be wholly dependent on Jesus for our salvation, you know it's not something that we can we can't save ourselves we can't make ourselves perfect we can't sanctify ourselves it's all the work of jesus in our lives and mm-hmm. i think you can't separate that belief from the belief of original sin they just go together
0: absolutely absolutely
1: so what is grace
0: that is a great question and i'm going to share something That maybe is not the traditional definition. And it comes from Titus chapter two, verses 11 and 13. And here's what Paul says. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Okay, so that's verse 11. But then look at verse 13. And it says, we're waiting for the appearing. There's that word again, of Jesus Christ. So the grace of God has appeared. And then we're waiting for an appearing of that grace of God. And he says that that person who is the grace of God is Jesus. So what I would submit to you is grace is a person. Grace is not just a concept. You see, and I think this makes all the difference because I think a lot of churches that have become law driven are reacting to a weak theology of grace as a concept. And maybe that concept has just been taught, like it's a hall pass. You have a pass. Um, you suck, but you get a pass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's not so transformational.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: you know, it's like you're, you're off the hook. You know, so if we preach grace as if it simply gets us off the hook, then we have missed out on how the New Testament talks about grace Grace is a person, that person is Jesus, and he's a person that we see. He's a person in the scriptures that we have an encounter with. So if you, if you look at the Gospels, you'll see that there is a woman caught in adultery, or the, the man that was born blind, or there's the dead man, Lazarus, man, They didn't need a concept. Mm. They met a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. So what's the point? The doctrine of original sin teaches us that we are in need of this person. Mm -hmm. We are in need of this person in our lives, and his name is Jesus.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So in the end, what what leads to the change that we're looking for? Because we're saying, you know, we can't. We can't change ourselves.
0: It's a great question. And again, I would reiterate this. We all need an encounter with this person because he's the only way we can change. We have no power on our own strength to change. We need Jesus to really have significant, holy and sanctifying change in our lives. And so I I like to share the story of our son, Abraham. So, Abraham plays a lot of video games, doesn't he? Yeah. (laughs) So, like, if we just say, well, we're going to take this away, um, what do you think the impact of that would be?
1: Well, I mean, he'd be angry. He'd be frustrated. He wouldn't understand why.
0: Yeah, he'd be angry. He'd be frustrated. Um, We'd probably hear about it until he moved out. (laughs) That's probably, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, and so it'd be, it'd be tough. And so I guess the question is, if we really think that this is something that needs to change, what would cause him to want to give his time, energy, and resources to something else? He would have to be captivated by something else. Mm-hmm. He'd have to have an encounter with something else and see, like, um, you know, if you're listening and you're a parent, I think sometimes we get tempted to just take everything away. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we've tried that with some of our kids. Has it really changed their hearts?
1: No. (laughs) I mean, of course not.
0: (laughs) It never did, did it? No. So it never did. And I think the reason is the law and rules don't change hearts. You can't have a relationship with two tablets of stone you can't have a relationship with rules. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You're going to have to be encaptivated captivated by this man, Jesus Christ and how awesome he is and how much he changes your life. When I look at our church and our mission and our ministry for 14 years together, Daisy, Mm -hmm. whether it's someone with an addiction or a divorce or a broken relationship uh, or whatever that they were going through at the time or loneliness or isolation, There is one common denominator that has changed all of their lives, and it's an encounter with Jesus, Mm -hmm. grace as a person in their lives.
1: Yeah. You can tell when you meet someone and you're studying, like let's say the Bible or with them, and just it overflows from their mouths and what they're saying, just that their lives have been changed and they're different than they used to be, and it's really special to see that.
0: Absolutely. 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 So anything else you got, you wanted to add to this today, Daisy?
1: No, I think you covered it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it's always good to have you on the show. And thanks for interviewing me on this uh, question so I could share uh, some theology and doctrine with our hearers. Um, If you have a question you'd like to submit to the program, you can email hello at sjdenver.org. You're welcome to also uh, download the St. John's Denver app at... Uh, go to your app store and plug in St. John's Denver. We would love to uh, hear more from you. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.